All right. Uh, let's get to the bottom of some uh, stories. First of all, let's start off with introducing uh, Joseph Newberger, who, of course, you know, is a criminal lawyer and 640 Toronto legal analyst. Welcome to the show, Joseph. Always good to have you on. Oh, thanks so much. Nice to be on. Big story today is that Chair Girl is back in court today. And uh, one of the reasons we're, we're going to find out what she's sentenced to. I know that the um, her defense uh, wants uh, her defense lawyer, defense lawyer wants a suspended sentence, doesn't want her to do any jail time. Um, the Crown is asking for six months. Now they had we were supposed to get the sentencing a few weeks ago and they had to break because uh, they had to figure out who posted the video i need to ask you why do they care about who posted that video for throwing the chair off the balcony well now that you've seen what happened on that WestJet flight to jamaica the importance of this is uh if this young lady posted this herself onto instagram then you can draw the reasonable inference she wanted to get notoriety on social media by doing this stunt recording it and then uh, posting it up on social media we see that there is another individual who did something on a plane for the purpose of getting notoriety on social media. And so we see a dangerous trend of pranks that can put people's lives at risk, not only their economic situation or their holidays or somebody passing by underneath where the chair was dropped, but it causes risk. And it's for somebody's advantage to get notoriety on the social media and on the Internet. So I think it's a significant factor. I think if it's a motivating factor for this person, I think it's aggravating and may increase sense. If it's something that's a little bit more on a whim, you didn't plan it out, you were just angry, that's one thing. But if you're planning to do this and then post it up and try and get some notoriety, I think it's an aggravating factor that would increase the sentence. Do you care to venture uh, a guess as to what will happen as far as the sentencing of Chair Girl goes today? I don't know, honestly, because I think it may be a bit difficult for the Crown to actually establish. I understand they have a witness. I'm not sure what that witness will say. If they're able to establish that it was recorded and uploaded by her or at her direction, I suspect some jail time would be appropriate, and I think that may be rendered. Um, You know, you have a very experienced judge. Um, We'll have to see. I I would imagine some jail, maybe on an intermittent basis. Mm. Uh, chair, oh, let's call let's call uh, chair girls, um, com, you know, male component, um, plain boy. Yeah, <laughs> good one. <laughs> He's charged with mischief. Now that could face jail time as well, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay, so what are the odds that, you know, I mean, he's apologized and posted this five-minute YouTube video that sounds incredibly insincere. But anyways, uh, it is an apology. What are the odds that his lawyer said, you got to get that out on social media ASAP? Well, yeah, I mean, it's possible. Um, You know, I, I think what he's trying to do through that apology is forge a defense because he's now saying, I really didn't mean that I went to actually China and contracted the coronavirus. It was supposed to be a restaurant, and it was supposed to be a joke, and and people missed that. And then I told them right away that this was just a joke. And so he may be forging some sort of defense to the Mm -hmm. actual mischief charge, because what was actually said, what was actually heard, that'll depend upon the witnesses. And then, you know, a court will have to decide whether his intent was really to give the suggestion that he had been to uh, that province and, and had intimated that he had contracted the virus. If that's the case and it's found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, then he may also face jail time because you're anytime you're in a plane and you're having to put into uh, work a protocol system that may involve the plane turning around and coming back or scaring the passengers in the process because of what was said, you put people at risk, whether it's a 
a real risk of somebody being injured or not. You put people at risk and there's economic damage, which is done. And so that type of behavior has to be deterred. It absolutely has to be deterred because there are certain things you don't do on a plane. There's certain things you don't do on a balcony. These are very bad things that endanger people and put their lives and their economic situations at risk and should result in jail because you have to deter this behavior because who's the third person who's going to come along to do a prank because people like to go on the Internet and watch this stupidity? I don't know. I think it's got to be deterred. Yeah, Joseph, I, I think people are going to be awaiting to see if an example is set today with Chair Girl. But with regard to uh, Plain Boy, um, you know, he could have potentially caused uh, someone to have uh, to, to go into cardiac arrest. I know that's kind of a, a leap, but what if you already have a pre-existing health condition and then you start to panic? Yeah, I mean, look, there, there, there's families there. There could be people who are elderly and have uh, heart issues. There can be young children. What if people panic? I mean, we're not talking about something insignificant. This is a virus which is causing death of individuals uh, in the world. We're seeing it mostly in China, but now we see that there are um, uh, ships that are being quarantined. This is very, very serious. And so somebody disproportionately could react to this, could get extremely upset, and may suffer a cardiac issue. You know, it, it. thank God nothing happened. Thank God people didn't panic that way. The crew did a good job. But that is a foreseeable risk, and this is very, very dangerous behavior. Speaking of dangerous behavior, uh, uh, we have heard about some dangerous behavior at Airbnbs, uh, you know, shootings and, and, and killings. Uh, that's the extreme case. Uh, but you're in an Airbnb, we're hearing kind of terrifying stories that aren't life-threatening, but they're about hidden cameras. I just want to talk to you about this decision yesterday. A judge decided to end a voyeurism prosecution of a Toronto condo owner who had said that, you know, police had breached his rights by going into the apartment that he had rented out on Airbnb and seizing a camera without a warrant, uh, even though the person, the guest of the Airbnb, invited the police in. So basically what happened, this this was during uh, the film festival in 2018. This guy goes and, and rents a downtown Airbnb for 10 days, and he discovers a hidden camera inside the clock radio beside the bed. He then calls Airbnb. They say, go to the go to a hotel and call the police right away. He lets the police officer into the apartment and then uh, they see the clock radio. They on the advice of a detective, the, the cop seizes the clock radio, brings it back to the police station. Another officer later looks at the camera. Apparently they find stored video on the, on the camera of not only the owner, but a series of guests. So he was being charged for very serious, uh, at least a dozen voyeurism-related uh, charges. Um, and then the judge said, you know what, we can't we can't use this because you didn't secure a warrant. What are the odds that this is going to be appealed? I think there's a fairly good chance it'll be appealed. I think it's a good decision by the judge. I think we're losing sight of what our charter means, and I'm, I'm frightened in Canada when we are willing to give away our charter rights just because we're concerned about a particular offense. Um, an Airbnb is not a hotel. So uh, in this case, it's an individual who owns a condo who uh, rents it out on Airbnb and does use the apartment himself from time to time. So he has a legitimate privacy interest in a property that he owns himself. It's not just purely for commercial purposes. It's also for his own residential purposes. If that fact is is legitimate, then um, the individual has a right to privacy over their own property, much like we would have a privacy over our own home. But, so, but Joe, I got to interrupt, but wouldn't I have a right as a guest renting that spot? Now it's my home for 10 days, have a right to privacy. Uh, you do, but then just get a warrant. 
What's so hard about that? Well, I don't know, because I I don't know the first thing about getting a warrant. Right, but this is this is the public reaction that this is yeah. some, somehow outrageous. That God forbid the police should actually go do something that's legitimately lawful. Okay, let's just walk into a house, seize it because you know it's a voyeurism charge. Much like we see a lot of other rights in this country going down the toilet. All they have to do is take a statement from this individual. The individual stay there, park a police officer in front of the condo, go get a warrant. It's not the hardest thing to do. We should never ever give away our rights especially in homes where we have rights to privacy, simply because the offense we're concerned about. If we continue down this path, we will no longer have any rights in this country, and we're absolutely not paying attention to the erosion of rights in this country that first the liberal government is doing to the extreme, and now we're seeing in the courts. This is a right decision, and it will be appealed, and I hope it's upheld, because there's nothing wrong with the police getting a warrant. It takes very little effort, a little bit of writing, and go find a justice to do it. Why do you think this would not have been thrown out? Why do you think this guy didn't get a warrant? Was it just lazy police work? No, I think because people don't think anymore, including police. Hmm. I think we're coming to a police state. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that there are such a push to the right that, you know, we talk about victim rights before anybody's been convicted of an offense. We think about uh, the accused to be vilified way before they're ever convicted. And so we're, we're going too far to the right and eroding our own rights here. And this poor officer who was doing the right thing, he was trying to protect the B&B uh, guest. And I get, I get the impetus of this is all in the, with the right intention. But the reality is all they have to do is think about their training and what the law of search and seizure is. And it is a pseudo home and go get a warrant. It's very easy. Okay, Joe, I wasn't really expecting that answer. I get why you're, why you're uh, saying what you're saying. But as an Airbnb guest, then, what are my rights and what do I do if I, uh, you know, find that there is a hidden camera somewhere? Well, first of all, Airbnb is not a hotel. So it's somebody's home that they're leasing out. So take that into consideration. Second, this guest did the right thing. Phoned Airbnb, reported it, called the police. The police can then obtain a statement, secure the residence, go get a warrant, execute the warrant, seize it, and then you've got the evidence properly obtained and they can prosecute. And so if a person goes into an Airbnb, they should look around and be careful. But bear in mind, it's not a hotel. This is not regulated like the commercial hotel industry. So to some extent, you know, you are taking some chances when you're going into properties that are not your own or not run by Holiday Inn or, you know, some large chain whose purpose is purely commercial. Joe, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been quite illuminating. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so emphatic <laughs> about hey, this. Hey, listen, I, I, love, I love the feistiness and I also love the passion. And I think it really... Sometimes we are quick to judge a story when it comes out, and and sometimes we need to be set straight on why, you know, a judge has come up with a ruling that on, you know, at first blush, it looks ridiculous to the average person. Right. Right. Thank you. All right. Joseph Newberger is our um, legal analyst here at 640 Toronto. He's also a criminal lawyer and very impassioned. I'm all for that.